Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing well, enjoying my final days before my kids go back to school. You already went back to school this week. We are not in school yet at my house, but I'm enjoying my final days. <laughs> oh. You got to stop calling it your final days, though. Um, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little ominous. Um, yeah. Well, our when this episode comes out, it'll already be my daughter's first volleyball game. Like we are in it already. Wow. So I'm excited. Yeah, excited. School starting back. Saw a bunch of fall stuff at the store the other day. Wasn't happy to see a bunch of Halloween stuff. I know you are, but here I am it's still thrilled. five thousand degrees. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah, too much but you right don't now. have to have. Well, I know we've had this conversation many times. I just like the decorations. I like the de- I like the aesthetic. <laughs> I, I'm gonna agree with you, but it's just right now when I still feel like we're in Satan's bottom butthole. I just can't. <laughs> I went with bottom. Um, I just can't put a pumpkin out. I just can't. Yeah, it really is super super hot, but we are finally kind of getting into. Not the le- the end of summer, the dog days. <laughs> so we're getting into the hottest part. So you mean the final days, like you would say, <laughs> the final days? Yeah, August and September are both really warm. 
I would say, here in Florida. I saw some, there was a woman at the um, store I took my son to the other day to buy some shoes, and she was talking to me about how excited she was that it was about to be fall, and she was so happy for the cooler weather. And I was like, you realize – that's like a ways off. <laughs> That's and, December. <laughs> yeah. She was like, well, September is like starts the fall. I was like, well, are you from here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 100%. All I think in September is like hurricanes and the hurricanes thrive in the hot water, hot air, all of that stuff. So the worst. I, I, yeah. I don't think it's synonymous whatsoever, <laughs> fall, but it's cute to think it. Yeah, for sure. But Melissa, you know what actually is exciting that is also in yes. September um, mm-hmm. that we've been talking about is CrimeCon. And it's yes. coming up so fast now. Um, we've we've been talking about it and saying, you know, oh, we have three months left. We have two months left. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, we're down to like, what, six weeks before CrimeCon? So Ooh, I know. Don't do I, don't, I hate to even put it in, in weeks like that because then it sounds like such a small amount of time. But Melissa, you and I have been working together to kind of come up with ideas for CrimeCon. I think we're going to have a really awesome setup at our table. We have like a lot of really cool stuff to share with the people who stop by to see us. It's not just about us. We are going to have a Bexley box there, which is another thing that we've talked about a ton. So CrimeCon, I'm super excited. How are you feeling about it, Melissa? Other than the fact that it's really close. (laughs) It's very close. Um, I'm excited to visit our table because some of the stuff we have, it's going to be actually really cool. Like we didn't cheap out. I'm very proud of us. We said, what would we actually like to have? Not what would we like to have? Oh, that's too expensive. Go to the third page and see what they have. So it should be really fun. Um, Definitely if you're there, come by and see us. Uh, Use our code MOMS for 10% off. Don't you feel like we kind of have like a little bit of a a home team advantage because we live locally? So I feel like this year, that may be why we thought we could just go crazy and decorate our table and have all these things because we don't have to travel with stuff. So we can just throw in the trips back and forth from our house. Yeah. So it's all, yeah. uh, yeah, So we're really excited, um, especially to have CrimeCon here. But you know what's going to happen? People are going to ask us, like, what is there to do around here? And, like, where the hotel is is, like, an area. What is there not like, to do? Like, true yeah. Orlando. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I can't give you any suggestions. I stay away from here all the time. But, yeah. like, it's a fun area. People will really enjoy it. But, yeah, don't ask me where to go because I'll tell you things, like, 45 minutes away yeah. to an hour. So. <laughs> and so the dates of CrimeCon, if you're looking to go, are September 21st through the 24th. Use our code MOMS for 10 percent off as long as they're doing that i don't think it's much longer you can use that code um, but 10 percent off a standard badge and we're so excited i can't wait we haven't done crime con in four years yeah four years yeah yeah wow we were that babies is wild yes we yeah were babies and now we're we're still babies but we're bigger, <laughs> we're bigger babies. So before we get in the episode, one thing we're so excited about for the next month, we are working hand in hand with, well, not hand in hand because Laura wouldn't like that, but we are working with the Fall Line podcast to uh, raise funds for Season of Justice. So if you're not familiar with Season of Justice, they do incredible things. Like we just had, Mandy, you and I just had a call with them and uh it's amazing how much they're doing for families of victims. They are really, of of all the people we've kind of come in contact with, and there are so many great things to put your money towards, if you're very victim-focused, rather, this is amazing. amazing. And you yeah. 
can watch it kind of in real time. So I'm kind of just going to read through this one little thing they gave us. We'll talk about it more at the end because we're going to be doing, you know us, we're going to do giveaways and kind of try to make it fun and enticing for people to want to give. You don't have to be into that. That's fine. But if you want to give, we would love it. So Season of Justice, if you're not familiar, is the trusted nonprofit organization dedicated to helping families shed new light on their cold cases and helping investigative agencies bridge the funding gap preventing them from accessing cutting-edge forensic technology. So the fall line have used Season of Justice for a ton of things, for billboards. There's like no limit to what they do, but we whatever are Whatever they pumped. need, really. Yes, whatever these it's families It's really what need. they need. So we're working on raising, our goal is $3,500 for the family, the family fund. So it's going directly to that. So we can't wait to see. We'll be able to see this money in progress. Really, we'll be able to see what it's doing um, in real time. So we'll keep you guys updated. So you're going to hear us talk a lot about it between now and September 15th. And that's because we are super, super excited and really hope you guys will be as well. Yeah. And like uh, you said, Melissa, we will kind of talk a little bit more about details about what we're going to be doing for that at the end of the episode this week. When I heard about the story that we're going to be covering this week, I was led to try and look up some statistics, as I often do when I'm researching some of these cases. And this week, I was looking specifically for statistics related to the topic of missing women. And I found that it was actually kind of hard to find really a lot of statistics on the topic. I thought that was kind of surprising. Um, Since we've been, you know, especially because we've been sharing more of these types of missing persons cases, and a lot of them are women. So I really was just looking for things like how many women specifically go missing each year, how many are found, how many are still missing, things like that. And it was really not very easy for me to find those numbers. I did find that in 2021, the number of missing women over the age of 21 in the U.S. was over 62,500. The vast majority of people who are reported missing are usually found relatively quickly. In fact, there's just 1% of people who are reported missing that actually stay missing. And yeah, yeah, while that might not sound like a lot, when you consider that a total of 546,568 cases of missing people were entered into NCIC in 2022... 1% of that is about 5,500 people that weren't found and have still remained missing. Sadly, many of these cases will never be solved or they may be cold for years to come. And that's one of the reasons why we feel like it's so important to keep sharing the stories of the missing. Peggy McGuire was a 29-year-old mother of one young son doing her best to further her education and find a job that would be suitable to raise a child when she went missing in November of 2015. Born on Thanksgiving Day in 1986 and growing up in the small town of Eufaula, Peggy Ann McGuire was the poster child for an Oklahoma country girl. She really enjoyed all the outdoorsy activities, including hunting and fishing, she loved to go camping, she loved boating, and she was also an excellent ranch hand. She could bale hay, she showed livestock, and she did much more. Hard work was something Peggy never shied away from, and the other members of her community really thought the world of her. Peggy's mom, Betty, said that she was such a thoughtful and kind-hearted person that when Peggy would smile, anybody around her couldn't help but smile too. She was somebody who just had this huge heart and truly cared about everyone. Peggy's sweet and loving nature attracted the attention of a boy named Thomas McIntosh during Peggy's sophomore year of high school. Thomas also shared this love for country living, so the two of them instantly connected over these common interests. But personality-wise, Thomas was really nothing like Peggy. You could say he was the exact opposite. 
Others described him as being awkward, rude, and even antisocial. Very early on, while the couple was still in high school, the relationship turned into a tumultuous one, with Thomas becoming jealous and physically abusive. If Peggy were to talk to other guys, Thomas would completely flip, and he would do things like break the windows out of her car and smash her doors. Despite this abuse, the couple stayed together, and things only continued to get worse. A few years after graduating high school, Peggy and Thomas were still together, but in April of 2006, Peggy obtained a protective order against him for a short period of time. The couple eventually got back together, and the order was dismissed. This is unfortunately something that's really common in abusive relationships. So according to Respond Inc., it takes an average of seven attempts for domestic violence victims and survivors to leave their abusive partners and remain separated for good. Just some quick facts about this. This gives you a little bit more insight into why someone may not leave an abusive relationship because how many times have you seen that where there's like comments online, well, she should have left, she should have done this, blah, blah, blah. It's not that easy. So according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the victim's reasons for staying with their abusers can be extremely complex. And a lot of times it's based on this reality that their abuser will follow through with the threats that they've been using to keep them and to keep them trapped. So they're afraid that the abuser will hurt or kill them, that they'll hurt or kill their child, that they'll win custody of their children. We've heard that a lot in these stories. Um, They'll harm their pets. uh, They'll ruin the victim financially. And the list really goes on and on. And those things do happen as well. You see in documented cases where there's been an abusive relationship, oftentimes you will see that there have been reports made of these very things. So you can understand why these people who are being abused, the victims, you can understand why they are terrified to actually try and and get out of the situation. Right. So the victim in violent relationships really knows their abuser best, and they know the extent that they're willing to go to make sure they have and can maintain control over their victim. So the victim literally may not be able to safely escape or protect those that they love. And there's additional barriers to escaping a violent relationship included, but not limited to uh, the first one being the fear that the abuser's actions will become more violent and may become lethal if they leave. So kind of a... It's bad now, but it could get so much worse if I do decide to leave. Um, The second is the knowledge of the difficulties of single parenting and reducing the financial circumstances. Anyone looking to leave, they they know that. Like, you still have to be able to survive without this person. The third is the victim feeling that the relationship is a mix of good times, love, and hope, along with the bad stuff like manipulation and intimidation, but they're still able to look at the good parts. The fourth being the victim's lack of knowledge or access to safety and support, so they just might not know what's available to them. The fifth is fear of losing custody of any children if they leave their abuser or fear that the abuser again will hurt or maybe even kill their kids. The sixth is a lack of means to actually support themselves financially, which we were kind of talking about before, or the lack of assets to cash, bank accounts. They could have money. That could be 50% their money, but they they don't have access to it. So it doesn't matter. The seventh is lack of having somewhere to go. They have, maybe they've been isolated from family and friends, or they don't know who to turn to or 
whatever. They don't have money for a hotel. Shelters have different regulations. The eighth is religious or cultural beliefs and practices that may say divorce is wrong, you know, these outdated gender roles and keeping the victim trapped in the relationship, using God to keep the victim trapped in the relationship, really. And the last, and this may have been something that Peggy was dealing with, the belief that two-parent households are better for children despite the abuse. Around the same time that this protective order was dismissed, Peggy and Thomas learned that they had a baby on the way, and in July of 2007, their son Eli was born. Eli truly was the apple of Peggy's eye. She was an extremely devoted mom, and she loved spending time with her son and didn't even mind toting him around the farm while she did chores like raking and baling the hay. She would even put him on the tractor with her. Peggy's Facebook page was completely filled with photos of her and her son together. In the winter of 2013, Thomas, Peggy, and Eli went to live in Indiana, where Thomas had gotten a new job. After they moved, the abuse got even worse, and not long after arriving in Indiana, Thomas was arrested and charged with felony strangulation, felony domestic battery, and a misdemeanor for interference in the reporting of a crime. We've talked about a wild statistic about how those who have been strangled by their partner, um, the studies show that they are actually 750% more likely to later be killed with a gun by the person who strangled them. So that the first time we ever heard that on this show, we were kind of like, what on earth? That's like one of the craziest statistics I think I've ever heard about showing the precursor to like what yeah. can happen when somebody's in this type of relationship. So um, I definitely thought it was important to kind of bring that one up again. So after this incident, a new no contact order was put in place and Peggy ended up moving back to Oklahoma with Eli. According to her best friend, Peggy had decided that enough was enough and something really just clicked in her and she decided she wasn't going to go back to Thomas this time. Unfortunately, as we said before, it can be incredibly hard for victims to actually break free from their abusers, and Thomas managed to find his way back into the picture again. Peggy really felt strongly that she wanted her son to grow up in what she considered a normal household with a mom and a dad, so she ended up dropping the charge from the Indiana attack and moved into a home with Thomas in Eufaula. The home they moved into this time was in a very rural area, many miles outside of town with fields and woods surrounding it. And according to Peggy's loved ones, she and Thomas, even though they had moved into this home together, they weren't exactly back together as a couple. They supposedly were just having a platonic relationship at this point, and they even had both agreed that they could see other people. After a while, Peggy came to the conclusion that she just didn't want to rely on Thomas for anything anymore at all. She really wanted to just make a way for herself and Eli on her own. So she started taking the steps to become a licensed practical nurse, and this would provide her with a stable income and a way to support her son. In June of 2015, Peggy passed the exams required to become an LPN, and she started working at Wellington Hills Living and Rehabilitation. By the fall of 2015, Peggy was well on her way to being able to leave Thomas. She had also started dating a new man. And we have more to get into after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Back to school is here, and with that comes the anxiety that comes with it. And while my son has been asking for a phone for a few months, I don't think he's quite ready. 
The phone has really access to everything, but that's not necessarily great for a very inquisitive 10-year-old. I want to grow his independence while also keeping him safe. And thankfully, there's a balanced solution. Cosmo's Junior Track 2 smartwatch for kids. This smartwatch offers benefits I really value. It allows him to call me when he needs to and enables GPS tracking for safety during bike rides or anytime he's really away from me. Cosmo really ensures his independence grows responsibly. Cosmo was created for kids aged 5 to 12 and is secure and parent-controlled. Cosmo is paired with an app on my phone, putting me in charge of who my kids can contact. Contacts can't be added without my approval, and there's no unsupervised messaging. Plus, no internet access means a worry-free digital environment. As a cautious parent, the Cosmo app eases my worries without passing them on to my son. It's really a relief knowing his whereabouts without instilling my anxiety. And the added bonus is he can reach out to me without Wi-Fi thanks to the straightforward Cosmo cellular service setup. Visit CosmoTogether.com and enter code MYSTERIES at checkout for 30% off a new junior track watch just in time for back to school. You have enough to think about, so the last thing you need to worry about is body odor. And thanks to Lumi, you don't have to. Lumi is clinically verified to manage odor across all zones. That means underarms, privates, and beyond. All for an impressive 72 hours, which is a lot of time to listen to podcast episodes. Dr. Shannon Klingman, an OBGYN, observed women that were troubled by lower body scent. Identifying skin bacteria as the culprit, she birthed Lumi, a skin-safe, aluminum-free deodorant that excels universally. Over 150,000 five-star reviews attest to its abilities. Say farewell to worry and unpleasant scents with Lumi. I actually love the variety that Lumi offers, from mini deodorants to wipes to solid stick deodorants. You can really get your Lumi in whatever way works for you and your life. I'm a big fan of the wipes because they're easy to use, easy to access, and they last all day and then some. Lumi Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, a cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like mini body wash and deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for our listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi Starter Pack with code MOMS at LumiDeodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit LumiDeodorant.com and use code MOMS. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were speaking about Peggy McGuire and her attempts to leave her abusive husband, Thomas. She has now become an LPN and she's looking to make money on her own. So she really doesn't have to depend on Thomas for those sorts of things. So Peggy was finishing up a double shift at the nursing home where she was working at on the morning of November 16th, 2015. She mentioned to her coworkers that she planned on meeting up with her boyfriend after she took Eli to school. Her boyfriend was driving up that day from Texas to spend the rest of the day and the evening with Peggy. In the conversation, Peggy mentioned that she would still be picking her son up from school at 3 o'clock on Tuesday. When Peggy left for work that morning, she went and picked Eli up and dropped him off at school around 7.45 a.m. After she dropped Eli off, Peggy started heading back to Eufaula, which was about half an hour away. While she was on the road, she called her stepdad at about 8.15 and told him that she was going home to take measurements for a new deck at the house she shared with Thomas, and she said she'd call him back when she was done. Before hanging up, Peggy said, love you, see you later, but she never called back. Around 10 that morning, Peggy talked to her new boyfriend on the phone and told him that she was at home making beef jerky. 
Her boyfriend told her that unfortunately he couldn't make it to Oklahoma to meet her later that day, and their conversation ended up being interrupted when he gets another call, and so he tells Peggy that he's going to call her right back. When he called Peggy back, her phone went straight to voicemail, and he never heard back from her. Throughout the rest of the day, Peggy's loved ones tried to get in touch with her, but the phone always went to voicemail, and Peggy wasn't returning any messages. The next day, Peggy's mom, Betty, called and got no answer. Her best friend, Elizabeth, also tried calling. So her friend, Elizabeth, was quite alarmed, and she knew that Peggy wouldn't ignore her texts unless something was seriously wrong. She was someone that always responded really quickly. So Elizabeth decided to try to go to Peggy's house herself, but Peggy wasn't there, and she noticed that her truck was also gone. Elizabeth also noticed that none of Peggy's personal items seemed to be at home as if she just packed up and left without a warning. Elizabeth managed to get a hold of Peggy's boyfriend's phone number and called to ask if maybe Peggy was with him, but she wasn't. Even more alarming was that he told Elizabeth he hadn't spoken to Peggy since 10 a.m. the day before. So thinking that Peggy would surely be showing up to pick Eli up from school at 3, Elizabeth drove there hoping to see her. But to Elizabeth's surprise, it wasn't Peggy that showed up to get Eli that day. It was Thomas. And Peggy had specifically told Elizabeth and her co-workers that she would be picking up Eli at 3 p.m. on Tuesday. So to see Thomas there instead of her was really a huge red flag. Elizabeth called Betty, who was Peggy's mom, and told her about everything. Betty knew that something had to be wrong because Peggy would never leave Eli behind. Betty went on to file a missing persons report later that day. So at first, the police really didn't take Peggy's disappearance very seriously. They weren't immediately helpful in starting a search for her. So the family had to take matters into their own hands, and they started trying to track Peggy down on their own. Her brother ended up finding her Toyota truck just within hours of starting the search. It was at a rural bar called T&J's Ice House off of Highway 9, and this was just about 10 miles from Peggy's home. Peggy herself was not known to be a drinker. In fact, she really didn't drink at all, and she also wasn't known to frequent this particular bar. But surveillance from the bar showed Peggy's truck driving north and pulling into the Ice House at 528 a.m. on November the 17th. At the time the truck pulled in, it was raining outside, of course, so the footage looks blurry and it's really hard to see. I feel like that's so frustrating. And why is that always the case? There's always something wrong with the surveillance footage. It was either raining or it's just old equipment or it's not facing the right direction or the thing you need to see is like one foot off the camera or it's always something. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense in the year 2023 that we're still saying things like this because this should be a no-brainer. It should be perfect. They should be able to create an AI of you after you've been seen on camera. And this is just like, we can't see, sorry. Yeah, so they couldn't really see much. Uh, Because of the rain, all they could see was that a person did get out of the truck and walked away and it appeared they were going in a southbound direction. So as I said, the car came from north And then the person got out and went south. So due to this terrible storm that was going on, it was difficult to identify the driver. But an Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation agent told True Crime Daily that they know the driver is a suspicious male with no discernible characteristics. So it could literally be anyone. 
That is the least <laughs> helpful thing I've ever heard. So yeah. you've like eliminated 50% of the population. That's still a lot of people. Right. And I want to know, like, if it was truly that blurry, like, how can they even say for sure that it was Thank a Thank you. Like, if, why not just say we truly We're have back no back to clue. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So as of this recording, that driver has officially never been identified. A woman who lived near the bar said that she actually saw a man walking along the road when she was leaving for work that morning. And when this man saw her coming up on him, he actually ducked into some weeds nearby, which that's not suspicious. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Peggy's truck was searched and it was reported that while there were no leads as to her whereabouts or her condition, there was some evidence collected and that was going to be sent off for testing. Strangely, when Thomas heard that Peggy's truck had been found at this bar, he showed up there himself, and he let the police give him an interview. He said that Peggy had run away, and he actually hadn't seen her since the previous day when she took Eli to school. True Crime Daily reported that Eli later told a family member that prior to Peggy's truck being located, Thomas actually drove him past the bar and pointed out uh, Peggy's truck and Thomas told Eli that his mom had run off with another man and left her vehicle there at this bar. So even though there was an extensive history, as we said, of domestic violence between Peggy and Thomas, the police still did not name him a suspect and they still didn't take Peggy's case very seriously. They never even searched her house or really conducted any formal interviews for several weeks. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Elizabeth, who, as we said, was Peggy's best friend, thinks that it could have been due to the fact that Thomas McIntosh had the same last name as the county where this all happened, McIntosh County. And the McIntosh family is, of course, very well known in McIntosh County. And that could potentially make it difficult for the investigators to properly do their jobs. Shouldn't, but apparently could. That's terrible. Yeah. So Peggy's family was very frustrated at the lack of help from authorities, so they started putting up flyers, they created a Facebook group, as well as leading their own search with Peggy's friends, families, and volunteers. Family members drove from as far as California to come in and help look for Peggy. They searched areas near Peggy's house and areas where they thought someone could hide Peggy or hide her body. Peggy's co-workers held a bake sale and raised over $2,000 to fund the search effort. The owners of Wellington Hills offered a $15,000 reward for information. One of Peggy's coworkers told KJRH2 News, quote, We are all friends. We all hang out together. Peggy was kind of special. The residents loved her. They even had her flyers hanging on their doors, end quote, which is so sweet, this nursing home she worked at. Peggy was finally entered into NamUs on November 24th after she'd been missing for over two weeks. Finally, investigators started seriously looking into her disappearance and requested the help of the OSBI. One agent who looked at the surveillance footage of Peggy's truck being dropped off said she knew foul play was involved and noted that the bar is pretty close to where one of Thomas's relatives lived. Thomas was finally interviewed and he reiterated that he hadn't seen Peggy since she went to take their son to school on the morning of November 16th. Peggy's new boyfriend explained to authorities that he talked to Peggy around 10 a.m. on the morning of the 16th, and she told him she was at home making beef jerky and that he had to take another call, but when he called Peggy back, she didn't answer, and he never heard from her again. According to phone records, Peggy's phone showed that it pinged from her house when she was talking to her boyfriend at 10 a.m., but after that, the phone was shut off and it was never turned on again. 
In comparing Thomas's phone records, they learned that his phone pinged in close proximity to Peggy's. Financial records showed that Peggy's credit cards and social security number were never used after November 16th either. In talking to neighbors, investigators learned that Thomas was seen driving very fast down the road in a tractor just before noon on November 16th. The tractor had its front end bucket lifted all the way up in the air while Thomas was driving, which the neighbor thought was really odd because normally the way you drive one of these is you'd have the bucket down all the way low, but Thomas had it up in the air. So when Peggy's family hears this detail, they feel that Thomas has put Peggy's body in the bucket and he was taking her somewhere to hide, which is so dark. We still have more to get into after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. As a parent, one of the biggest things I can help my kids do is to reach their fullest potential and find success for themselves in life, both now and in the future. In-person school can be really great for some kids, but others do better at home. It's truly about whatever works better for you and your kids. And if homeschool is the right option for you, check out K-12 Powered Schools. K-12 Powered Schools are accredited, tuition-free online public schools that begin in kindergarten and go through 12th grade. It's also personalized and allows your family to have the flexibility you need. As a former homeschooler, that was my favorite part of homeschooling. And with K-12 Powered Schools, as long as you have access to the internet, school can be anywhere you are. I remember back when I was homeschooling my kids, the hardest part was the actual teaching. With K-12 Powered Schools, there are state-certified teachers who are specially trained to teach online. Plus, they make it fun and interactive thanks to their innovative technology. So you can focus on being the parent and leave the teaching to the teachers. If I was homeschooling full-time again, K-12 Powered Schools are exactly what I'd do for my kids. Join the more than 2 million families who have chosen K-12 and empower your student to reach their full potential now. Go to k12.com slash moms today to learn more and find a tuition-free K-12 Powered School near you. That's the letter K, the number 12.com slash moms, k12.com slash moms. It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated. Here's this tiny thing totally dependent on me, and now she's fussy and obviously uncomfortable, and I'm supposed to have the answers. Well, with time and treatment, it went away, but what I really wanted was to avoid it altogether. And now, baby butts rejoice. New Huggies Skin Essentials are here, a brand new dermatologist-approved line of diapers, wipes, and pull-ups training pants, all designed with baby's sensitive skin in mind. The wipes are thick and have zero harsh ingredients for a great, gentle clean. Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery 
delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking about the disappearance of young mother Peggy McGuire and the potential involvement that her boyfriend Thomas may have had. The police have not named any suspects. They have not arrested anybody in connection with Peggy's disappearance, but it has now been three weeks and nobody knows where she is. On December the 8th, the OSBI searched Peggy's home and the 80 acres around it. Finally, as we said before, during these first three weeks, the police really were not taking this very seriously. So they brought in search dogs and a forensic anthropologist, as well as a volunteer from Tulsa who brought in his collection of drones, and he was going to shoot video of the search area. Those searches continued for months to no avail. Peggy's stepdad told KJRH2 News that he was really happy the investigators were still looking into Peggy's disappearance, but the family didn't really even know what to expect anymore because now it had been so long. He spoke about what a dedicated mother Peggy was, and he reiterated that she would absolutely never leave her son. According to Bring Peggy Home, there were no signs of a break-in, and the only thing missing was a gun, but it was unclear who that missing gun belonged to. By the time the OSBI did get to search the house, it had been thoroughly cleaned, and they even said that they had wished they would have gotten in there sooner to look for evidence. Records show that there were blood-like stains on a couch cushion that was on the back porch, as well as on the bucket of a front-loading tractor that was found on the property. They did take swabs of these stains to be tested for DNA, but unfortunately, the results to those tests ended up being inconclusive, and they really couldn't even determine for sure whether or not it was blood, because as we've been saying, by this time it's been weeks, the stains have corroded too much, especially the ones that were on the bucket of the tractor those have been outside you know in the elements for almost a month so a 357 ruger revolver was taken into evidence as well along with a a glove that they found in thomas's truck that actually had some red stains on it but sadly after months of searching and attempting to collect any evidence they could find there still wasn't enough to bring charges on anyone or even to determine what happened to peggy at all so they had to keep digging meanwhile 
Eli was now living with Thomas, and Thomas was not allowing Eli to see Peggy's mom, Betty. Later in December, Thomas ended up moving to another county to live with his mother, and in January, he filed for sole custody of his son, stating that Peggy had abandoned him. Furthermore, he asked that Peggy be ordered to pay child support, medical expenses, child care expenses, etc. This is crazy that you're going to the court. You don't even know where she is. Like, even assuming right. that she, like, you don't know. Like, even if you thought, like, oh, she ran off, I feel like right. it would be priority number one to at least locate her before you try to take her to court for... For your kid. Yeah. Just for your kid's sake to just be like, well, let's, we got to find her. Let's look for that. Not, let's... As soon as we find her, she's going to owe me a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Furthermore, he also asked the court to prevent Peggy's mom, Betty, from being allowed to see her grandson. So not only is he – he just wants to cut out Peggy's family entirely. He doesn't want – he said it was because of some previous comments that Betty had made. As we've said before, Betty wasn't very quiet about her belief that Thomas – may have had something to do with Peggy's disappearance. So in response to this, Betty ended up filing a lawsuit of her own against Thomas, and she stated that Peggy did not abandon her child and that it was likely Peggy was dead. She said that she worried about the physical and emotional abuse that Eli could suffer at the hands of his father, who had a history of domestic violence, which Betty could provide proof of. To continue the drama, Thomas sued Betty in February of 2016 in a whole other case, claiming she stole four calves as soon as they were born on July 7th, 2015. So Thomas claimed that Betty stole the calves and sold them and kept the money for herself. Betty denies the allegations and said that Thomas was merely trying to defame and damage her reputation. She said that Thomas, in fact, knew the true circumstances around the four calves in question and was now deciding to file these false accusations. She said that Thomas was only doing this, quote, because of the sudden and suspicious disappearance of the true owner of the cattle, which would be Peggy. Thomas later withdrew his petition in December of 2016, and the case was dismissed. In the meantime, Little Eli ended up being removed from Thomas's care in March of 2016 after the court ordered that a guardian ad litem be appointed. Thomas soon withdrew the petition for full custody of Eli, but the case was not dismissed, and as of November of 2018, Eli was still being represented by a guardian, which I think is great, especially in situations like this. In November of 2017, Betty posted an update to the Bring Peggy homepage that said that she had been able to talk to Eli on the phone, but she still hadn't seen him in person. And by November of 2018, that still hadn't changed. Then in a shocking twist that I literally could not believe when I read this, 13-year-old Eli went missing on February 22nd, 2021 in Eufaula. So reports state that he was seen driving a tractor around 5.45 p.m., going around feeding the cows, but he never came home. Searchers with dogs, drones, and a helicopter were deployed to look for him, but they never found him. The tractor he was driving, though, was found abandoned. Muskogee Creek Nation Press Secretary Jason Salzman said, quote, It's a terrible situation. It makes it that much worse that it's Peggy McGuire's son and makes it just weird. So we're gutted just like everybody else, and we want to find him as fast as possible and pray that he's safe and good, end quote. In the afternoon hours of February 23rd, Eli was located by searchers in the Texana Road area, nearly 20 miles away. He was wet and cold from walking all night. 
He was taken to the hospital where he was treated for dehydration, but was otherwise in good health. KJRH2 News reported, quote, authorities said they are not investigating the case as a runaway or kidnapping situation, end quote. And that's pretty much where the details about Eli's disappearance stop. It's unclear what happened. So it's not runaway and it's not a kid. I don't know the third option. I guess you got lost. Yeah, I guess he could have gotten lost. Maybe something happened with the tractor and he just got Mm -hmm. off and started walking and got turned around or got confused. But yeah, that was wild um, that they actually had to like launch a search for him. Yeah. Well, thank goodness they finally launched a search literally one day, especially they found him not doing great. You know, he's wet. He's probably scared. Who knows? Yeah. 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 So as for where things are with Peggy's case now, well, there really just hasn't been a lot of movement in the case since her home and property were searched. The case is still considered a suspicious missing person, but the authorities said they do not believe that Peggy is still alive, and furthermore, they don't believe that her murder was random. No one has ever been named a suspect in her disappearance, including Thomas. Authorities say that everyone is a person of interest until Peggy is located. Thomas's lawyer says there's no evidence that Peggy was even harmed or killed, and there's no way to identify the driver of her truck when it was dropped off at the bar because the video is too blurry and grainy. And his attorney also pointed out that Thomas had really been fully cooperative with the police and said that the evidence against him was merely circumstantial. According to Thomas's attorney, Peggy and Thomas were in a relationship on November 16th and that Peggy often left periodically, which made Thomas suspect that she was cheating on him, but he wanted to stay with her for the sake of their son. This attorney also said that there was no evidence that Thomas was an abusive partner and it was just, quote, a nice narrative for Peggy's family to throw out there, but he alleged that there was no evidence to support these claims. He literally said... That rumors about Thomas being an abusive partner were just small town legends. Oh, that gets under my skin so badly, just calling it that. He also said that Thomas had never been convicted of any crimes. And, you know, there might be a good reason for that because Peggy actually dropped charges against Thomas more than one time. So, yeah, yeah, there were no charges brought against him. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't accused of crimes or that these things did not happen. Yeah. So the lawyer claimed that the neighbor who said they saw Thomas driving the tractor with the bucket all the way up wasn't really accurate and that Thomas had actually just been moving hay around that day because he knew that it was going to rain. So when the neighbor saw him with the bucket up, it was just he was just doing regular chores around the farm. But the lawyer said that Thomas's phone could have easily pinged near the same area as Peggy's on the same day because he was at his grandmother's house, which isn't that far away. Lastly, he said that nobody was able to even verify Eli's story, the one that Eli told Betty about Thomas driving him past the bar and showing him Peggy's truck there. Eli really had only told that story to one family member and nobody else. So, of course, Thomas's attorney was like, we can't even verify that. So, you know, essentially saying that's not proof of anything and shouldn't be used against Thomas. Right. Peggy's families made it abundantly clear that they believe Thomas is responsible for her disappearance, and they believe he probably murdered her because she was planning to leave him and was already seeing someone else. Thomas allegedly had a real problem with the idea of his son being around another man. 
Even though Peggy's family has accepted that she is likely long gone, they still hope to find her remains and give her a proper goodbye. Her mom, Betty, is still grieving to this day, and she says she is desperate for answers and she'll never give up. She says she thinks about the good memories to keep her going. In 2022, on what would have been Peggy's 36th birthday, Betty told News on 6, quote, It's just hard. You don't know what's going to happen next. Just waiting. We hope someday Peggy will have justice, end quote. Her family hopes that she'll be remembered for the kind of person she was and for the positive impact she had on others. As a reminder, Peggy is 5'10". She weighs between 150 and 160 pounds with shoulder length, curly blonde hair, and blue eyes. She is white and American Indian. If you have any information, please call the OSBI at 580-298-5525. There is a $150,000 reward available. You can help Peggy and her family by sharing Peggy's story and joining the Facebook group, Bring Peggy Home. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can call the Nationwide Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 1-800-799-7233. You can also chat at thehotline.org, or you can text START to 88788, and all three of these are 24-7. They're free and confidential, and there are many other resources on the Domestic Violence Hotline website, and we will have those linked in our show notes. I really feel for Peggy's family just the fact that I mean we see this all the time if things aren't if things aren't taken seriously at the beginning how how important those first few days are what does that show the first 48, the first 48. like yeah they yeah that is the most important time literally a show about it yeah right. and so to like put the family off for days and they're saying something's not right something's not right something's not right there's a history of abuse and no one's no one's looking for her it's just oh it's so upsetting it's so upsetting that it seems like people could be getting away with this sort of thing by just delaying a search for someone. Right. It just, oh, I hate because it. Because you truly don't know what evidence you could have found if you started searching immediately, if you started gathering things right away. You know, like they couldn't even confirm if some stains that were suspicious, they didn't even know really what they were, you know, and it's like they may have been able to, to get to gather a lot more information even oh, from yeah. that you know they may have actually been able to get a, a DNA profile off of that if they had gotten there sooner if it was blood you know but there's right. just too many unanswered questions and that has to be and no way to go back and get the answers so that mm-hmm. would be incredibly frustrating to come to terms with as the as her family yeah so that was the story for this week Melissa Instead of doing last thing before we go this week, we're going to, I guess we'll turn, we'll call it turning the page. We're going to turn the page kind of backwards and go Still back to it. what we talked oh. about in the beginning of this episode, um, season of justice. So we mentioned how super excited we are to be raising money for such an important cause. And I know that a lot of our listeners are always kind of asking us like, what can they do to help? Or do we have any ideas for good causes? And this is definitely one that I am 100% behind. Absolutely. Even um, this story this week about Peggy McGuire, her family putting up uh, posters and, you know, looking at billboards, all those kind of things. Like, that's something the Season of Justice actually helps families with. They help them apply for these grants, um, apply for this, help them through the whole whole process to actually get the get them the things that they need. So everybody doesn't need flyers, everybody doesn't need um, billboards, but some do. And they're there to help them with what they need. Right. And some people may not even know what they need. You know, that's kind exactly. of 
another benefit to working with an organization like Season of Justice is if you don't even know what you need, then they're also a helpful resource for kind of giving you ideas for what can be done, you know, what they can help you with. So I, I'm, I'm all for it, for sure. Absolutely. So this is going to kick off this week. It's already started by the time you listen to this, and we're running it through September 16th. But what we're wanting to do, Mandy came up with this idea. So one of our new sponsors is Cosmo Junior Track 2, and we know that this is something parents would love. And uh, so Mandy had the idea for donations. If you give a donation, um, we are going to enter you into a raffle to possibly win one of the watches. So that's what we're wanting to uh, give away. doesn't matter how much you give. Um, giving anything will be how you get yourself um, signed up for the raffle. Yes. Words there. Yes. Sign up for the raffle. Uh, we're going to have all this stuff in our show notes. So you can uh, text mom SOJ to 53555 and you can donate that way. Making it so easy. You can also go to givebetter.com slash fallmoms which is the fall line and us, which I think is such a cool, fun way to uh, name it. Fall moms. Come on. That should have been yeah, a show. I love it. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in helping Mandy, how are we going to do the drawing? So we're going to be entering, as Melissa said, like a raffle and it's going to be based on your donation amount. So for every $5 that you donate, we will enter your name into the raffle one time. So if you donate $5 for Season of Justice, we will enter your name one time. If you donate $10, we'll enter your name twice and so on and so forth. So that should make it, um, I think that's the easiest way. For us. That sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> We're only making this easy for us. We're going to announce the winner on Monday the 18th on Instagram. So you will find that there. And also, if you give $25 or more, if you donate $25 or more, you'd be entered in the raffle five times. But also, 25 or more, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode if Woo-hoo. you would like that. Some people love that. So um, so that will all be done on the website. So everything is in the show notes. I love song. <laughs> Okay, first, I need to understand where that came from. It's just going to be a shout out, not a love song. Oh. (laughs) Mandy, that one (laughs) truly came out of left field. Like, we might be sharing a brain because that feels like something I would have said. Okay, I know. Or my brain is totally broken. (laughs) Where you're just like, what are you talking about? So anyway, we're going to be doing this for a month. We're terrible at promoting ourselves, but we're good at promoting, or at least we're enthusiastic of of promoting things that we really care about. This is something we really care about. If you decide to text your donation, just send us an email to momsandmysteries at gmail.com. Just include like your receipt or, you know, screenshot or whatever. Um, The ones that go through the website will easily be able to pull your name and do the entries. If you do it on a text, that's the only thing that's a little more complicated. Or if you don't want to be entered in the contest and just want to give that way, that's fine too. Whatever you want. Awesome. All right, guys. Yeah, so we definitely hope that you will check that out and uh, give if you can. We're really excited, as Melissa said, and we just have a couple of weeks where we're going to be talking about this. And I'm super excited to kind of see how much we can raise for them. Can't wait. All right, guys, that is the story for this week. We will be back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.